Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you, if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out, John o. White, or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader. And in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult. And, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Peggy Brookins. Peggy is the president and CEO of the National Board for Professional Teaching Standards. Welcome to the podcast, Peggy. Thank you. Now, first of all, I'd love for you to fill in our listeners about what you do at NBCT and in your role as president and CEO. Actually, it is NBPTS, the National Board for Professional Teaching Standards, and the NBCT is what you earn as a certification, which is a certification I hold myself. Um, oh. The National Board <laughs> is about 35 years old. <laughs> we uh, are the result of um, a white paper and some research that was done years and years ago um, in the Reagan administration in this country around um, a nation at risk and thinking about the educational system in the U.S. and what needed to be done that, you know, we felt like we were headed towards mediocrity. And then, you know, a, a group of scholars got together and said, you know, what do we do and how do we solve this problem? And so they came up with uh, another research piece called A Nation Prepared. And A Nation Prepared is, you know, spawned the birth of the National Board for Professional Teaching Standards. So our mission is to advance the quality of teaching and learning in this country. And we do that through uh, a voluntary process of certification uh, of standards of what teachers should know and be able to do. And then we certify uh, teachers who meet those standards. And then we also, you know, as a third leg of our mission, embed that in the, the landscape of American education. And we also, you know, dabble in policy that benefits teachers and students. Wow, that is uh, what an incredible uh, organization. And apologies for the acronym mix up. That is so funny. People listening who must have been very confused wondering how the your organization had that acronym that doesn't have the same letters, but it got past me. So uh, NBPTS <laughs> and you, you hold an NBCT. Got it. I'm with you. Yes. <laughs> well, I would love to hear a bit of your story. I know listeners really enjoy finding out, um, you know, the journey of leaders like you, Peggy. So if we think back to, I guess, starting off when you were growing up, when you were, uh, you know, in those sort of early years of growing up, what were some of the moments or themes that really shaped you into the person and leader you are today? Wow. That's a wonderful question. Um, <clears throat> and I think about it and I, you know, we're on a podcast and people can't see me right now. And to know, you know, I'm an African-American woman um, who is one of five children, uh, young parents. 
And everything about that entire situation was to be, you were not to be successful. You know, I, I am of the age uh, that I grew up in the 60s. And um, so, you know, that makes me a senior citizen right now. <laughs> and therefore, <laughs> you know, times were quite different then. And I look at my parents, these young parents who had five children and made sure that they were all educated. And, you know, my brothers and I, uh, I believe in the fourth grade, you know, were the first uh, students to integrate a school. And so, wow. you know, my parents would sit us down every morning and talk about behavior and how important our education was and that we were there for that purpose and that we had to learn how to block out all the noise around us and to not, you know, be baited at any point to make sure that we did not, you know, solidify those stereotypes that were already there. So that required from a very young age being very disciplined um, about what you said, how you said it, what you looked like, how you carried yourself. And when we learned that at an early age, I think it helped. And I remember I had a teacher. This teacher was my phys ed teacher and her name was Miss Cooter. I will never forget her because she was this beautiful blonde woman, but she was married to an African-American man. And she took me under her wing and she felt like, I felt like she cared. And she was one of the few people who showed me she cared on that school campus and protected me and my brothers because she, you know, had children and her children were viewed in the same way as my brothers and I were. So I felt like I had, you know, somebody, a guardian angel who I could always go to, who was always there for me uh, in what was an incredible situation. And so that, and, and I was athletic, my brothers were athletic. And I remember the first time, you know, she asked me to run the 50 yard dash and she was just blown away. You know, here I am, I'm running the 50 yard dash in 5.9 seconds. I am just in the fourth grade. And <laughs> she is so excited. And I'm like, I have no idea what this woman is excited about. She just said, run fast and I ran fast. And from that day on, she told me, she says, you have a gift and that gift can get you places that you may not be able to afford to go to right now. And she was right. I, I went to uh, college on an athletic scholarship and, you know, walked out not owing a dime to anyone uh, because it paid for my entire uh, college years. So, wow. you know, it, it was great to have her. And in that, the discipline of athletics taught me so much about leadership. You know, I captained so many teams. I captained a team in college. I captained a team in high school. And, you know, and I coached in college. And, and that taught me so much about 
relationships. It taught me about listening. It taught me about motivating. It taught me about body language. And, you know, I have Native American heritage. And, uh, you know, our ancestors would always say, you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. And I, you know, always <laughs> took that with me to, to really be present with folks and to think about how can I motivate you? How can I make you feel like there is nothing that you can't accomplish? There is nothing that you can't do. And roadblocks are meant to go through, around, or over. And, and all they do is strengthen wherever you are now and make you better than you were the day before. So I had so many opportunities um, to have those things happen. Uh, I think when I started teaching, you know, I came into a situation that was almost the same. I came to a, a campus where, you know, there was a faculty of 120 and only seven uh, teachers of color were on this faculty in a, a, wow. a southern town in Florida that, you know, was very segregated at the time, which I knew nothing about. I had never been to this town when I accepted the job. I didn't know the history behind it. All I knew is that I had an opportunity to teach my passion, mathematics, and to coach. And it, it was a lesson uh, that I take with me <laughs> to this day about the power of relationships, the power of listening, the power of discipline, and the, the power of, of motivating people that I actually learn from children. <laughs> so, you know, coming to the position I am now you know, I'm new in this position when it, it when you think about, you know, most people were CEOs somewhere else. Uh, they had done a number of things prior to that. And I came to the position. It, it was funny because I, I sat on the board of this organization before I came to work for this organization. And I remember as a board member being on the search committee to hire the next CEO. And when I met this CEO, he and I just clicked immediately. And it was funny because it was my last day on the board and it was his first day at work. And when he had that realization, he went, no, this can't happen. And I said, but my time is up on the board. And he goes, you will be back. And I remember leaving and going on vacation and we ended up having Tuesday night calls and he would tell me what was happening with him. He would ask for advice. He would talk about the staff, talk about board members and, you know, tell me something about this person. What should I, you know, look out for here? This is a decision that I have to make. And I'm thinking, wow, this guy is calling me and he is the CEO when he is asking me you know, for my opinions here. And I, and I valued that. And then one day I got a phone call and he called me. He said, I'm calling to congratulate you on your appointment to the commission by President Obama for educational excellence for African-Americans. And I'm like, thank you so much because the president had just walked out to the Rose Garden to announce. And he said, and while we're on the phone, 
I just don't want to, you know, blow you over with a water hose, but can you come also and be my executive vice president? And I said, yes, wow. you have just blown me over uh, with the water hose because, you know, I live in utopia. <laughs> you know, I, I had along with friends and colleagues created an engineering magnet school that I absolutely love. It was a dream uh, to, to be able to do that. It was going well. Students were, you know, realizing their own hopes, dreams, and aspirations. And he wanted me to leave that. And he said, it's time. You know, I, I had taught for 38 years already. And I thought <laughs> about it. He goes, just think about it. And I thought about it and I thought about it. And I'm thinking, you know, this man is really right because I've done all of these things here and I can see the need to take it further. You know, I had worked at the national level. I'd worked in Washington for years doing professional development and thinking mathematics around the country, uh, looking at um, the the standards, the Common Core standards, I worked on those, worked on the assessment for the Common Core standards. And also, you know, within my district did professional development on foundations of effective teaching. And he said, there's more to be done at the next level. So I accepted the job. And when I accepted the job, I had no idea. He told me that he had just had surgery. Um, but I didn't know the extent of the surgery. And when he told me he had lung cancer, but I didn't know, he didn't tell me his time was limited. And so I accepted the job. He was so happy I could hear him scream in the office to everyone. She said yes. And <laughs> I came and he and I had eight wonderful months together uh, before he passed away thinking about, you know, mm. our dreams and vision for the future of this organization and what each of us would do. And I then became the interim CEO and then interviewed to be the CEO. But I, you know, I didn't take it lightly. I talked to my senior staff and I said, should I do this? does it make sense to all of you? And they said, yes. Had they said no, I would not have done it. And they said, yes, I interviewed for the job and here I am. Wow. Um, thank you so much for sharing that, Peggy. What an incredible story uh, for so many reasons. And uh, just, I think you, you also articulated that, you know, your story of how you ended up where you are uh, with, you know, that was very articulate the way you unpacked that as well. I want to go back to that, um, teacher who was like the guardian angel. Um, what was one thing I want to understand about that person? Because I just, wow, what a, what a role model and what a, um, what a hero that's, you know, just, um, what an amazing, what an amazing woman. Um, can you help me understand what was at stake? Like what was for her to do that then in that context, what was she sacrificing? What was she having to stand up against? 
And what did you learn from her watching, watching her stand up for you and have your back? Well, you know, she was ostracized anyway, because she had married this black man, but she was very good at her job. Uh, she was a beautiful woman and to see her not care about what adults thought of her and to know that her job was to nurture children and give them a sense of self and a level of confidence. And, and, you know, I always told my own students, what I learned from her is to have a level of confidence that borders on arrogance, that (laughs) people, no matter what they try and do, they will soon realize it's fruitless. And because you have blocked out all of this noise and you will continue on the journey and the path that you have set forth for yourself. And therefore they can do whatever, but it will have no effect. Mm. Yeah, that's so, that's so profound. Um, (laughs) How, how do you do that? It's not easy. Um, I mean, there are days that, you know, you bite your tongue. There are days that, you know, I tell myself, I used to tell myself, keep your eyebrow down because (laughs) it's one of the things that, (laughs) you know, people actually know what I'm thinking when my, I I can't control it. My left eyebrow just goes up (laughs) when something has struck a nerve. And so later in life, I learned to control it much better um, than when I was younger. Uh, The other thing was, you know, always be aware of body language because that's 80% of your communication. And listen with the best of intentions from that person and think, you know, they have my best interest at heart. And I always, you know, like I tell my staff, feedback is a gift. (laughs) And, you know, if we can look at it that way, then, you know, there's not any kind of feedback that will throw us, you know, off of our foundation. Yeah, that's, um, that's so good. I I love that. I'm interested to know as well, just while it's, um, you know, you you talked about that, uh, you know, incredible, uh, you know, relationship. And I just, I just loved hearing the professional relationship and the joy of, um, you know, shouting to the office about you accepting the role in, in that season of life. Uh, I'd love to know what you learned, you know, in those eight months and also in other times of working with such a great leader. What did you learn from, um, you know, I'm interested in particularly any aha moments where you saw the way a situation was navigated, stakeholders were managed, or what did you learn from um, uh, from that from that wonderful leader? Can you tell me again, sorry, what was his name who... Who, uh, who was the leader that you worked with and, and who sadly passed away of lung cancer? His name was Ron Thorpe. And Ron. what yeah, Ron, wonderful. yes, what he saw in me, because I had no idea that, you know, after we first met and I interviewed him uh, for the job of CEO, 
that he went on to the internet. He watched every video that I'd ever, you know, had been posted. He had read everything. He knew of uh, my college career. He knew of my induction into the Hall of Fame at my university. He knew all the things that I had done. And, and what was so impressive about him, if you met Ron today, and then you ran into Ron two years from now, Jono, he would know your name. He would remember your conversation. <laughs> and he made everyone in his presence feel that, that you were the most important thing right then. And, and that focus, and I, I learned that in talking to him, but I also learned it through my certification for national board, because our first core proposition is teachers are committed to their students and their learning. And the explication of that is purely about relationship building and how you build relationships because no learning takes place without relationship. Mm -hmm. And he knew that, but what he didn't know and why he said he chose me was that he said, you can do what I can't. I am not board certified. I cannot speak of mm. it. I don't know the transformational nature of the process that every board certified teacher talks about, but you can. And so when we are together in a room, we are the most powerful force you have ever had to deal with. And that's <laughs> how our relationship worked. Yeah, that's uh, that's just amazing. I think um, everyone, I think those sort of relationships at work where you can really form those wonderful connections and then do incredible work together is about as good as it gets. Like that's, there's obviously the work we're doing and the vision and the mission that we're on in whatever role we're in. But when you can work with someone like that and have that sort of great connection and achieve things like that together, that's that that must be a real highlight for you of your career. Oh, yes, absolutely. I, I, I feel that with my staff now. And to think about, you know, getting them to the point of always knowing my why always knowing their why, always being really transparent and understanding every decision, uh, the meaning behind that decision, but also including them in making a decision. Yeah. This is not top down. Uh, it can't be. I'm one person. And, you know, people say this all the time. If I knew everything, I wouldn't need anyone else in the room. And, you know, you, you mm. listen to people like Richard Branson. And I remember I, I was um, uh, at a, a gathering and at the Aspen Institute, and I was an Aspen scholar, and, and he was one of the speakers. And he talked about, you know, how leaders work and how leaders let everybody around them be the smartest people in the room 
because that's why you brought them in because they have what you don't have. And this is why you need them. Mm. So I look at my staff on a daily basis and I, I can say to each one of them what they have that I don't have yes. and why I appreciate them being there, supporting this work, having the passion that we all do about it and about this profession. I'm interested to know how you do that because I think that is a superpower of leadership that is if you can be comfortable in your own skin and not just comfortable but aware of your own limitations and aware of your strengths and weaknesses and aware of your team's strengths and weaknesses and then have that willingness to lean into the areas where they're strong and to be humble like that whole process i think that's why i wanted to map it out there's a lot involved and if you get one piece of that wrong it, it's a real achilles heel i think for a lot of leaders so how have you done that peggy and how do you do that what do you do intentionally to understand your people better and lead like that i spend time with them um one of the things i do is um I have lots of one-on-ones with staff to just give them an opportunity to talk to me about their work, what they love, what they think should be changed, what improvements should be made. And then, you know, what do you need to make that happen? And then the other thing I do is I give them an opportunity to be out front, to lead. And I get to stand back and watch uh, they, they present at board meetings, they present at conferences. If somebody says, well, I need an expert for this. You don't need me. You need this person on my staff to be that expert. And then I have to really get to know them, give them opportunities to travel with me. You know, I, I've traveled around the world. And every time I go somewhere, I choose a different person to take with me to show them the power of the work that they're doing. Because sometimes they forget that, oh, I'm only doing this. No, all of these pieces fit together to make this beautiful puzzle. And we cannot do it without you. This is the power of your work. And in doing that, I've been able to get to know them on a personal level, to get to know them on a professional level. And I love laughing and they know I love laughing more than anything. And to see them, you know, belly laugh at the same time, to enjoy themselves, to enjoy the work and to, you know, be ready to jump out of bed every day. and, And it's the place you want to run to. Yeah, that's that's so good. Well, I love what you said about belly laughing, and um, you know, I think creating a culture of fun, and not not in a uh, you know not in a shallow way, but a, a almost a culture of joy where like we really enjoy working together. Um, do you have any tips mm-hmm. on on doing that? What have you learned about how to create that sort of culture in your team and organization? Well, I listen to little things that they like. So I'm a popcorn lover. 
And I found out that, you know, I saw people bringing popcorn to work all the time and, and putting it in the microwave. And I'm like, that's not real popcorn. You need a machine. <laughs> you need a real theater popcorn machine. So I went out and I bought one. And I brought it to the office, <laughs> stocked everything up, and people just make popcorn whenever they want. And then, you know, I listened to them, you know, during lunch or in, in, in the kitchen sometimes, and they talked about, hmm, karaoke. That would be fun. So I think they figured me out now. <laughs> in that if they talk about something that makes work fun, that, you know, teams can work together to do or have moments um, together that they just sit down and, and just relax for a minute, give themselves a brain break. And you can hear laughter all over our office. It's an open office. We don't have closed offices. <clears throat> and to hear them be so personal with each other and to support each other um, in the work that they do, but to go back and forth as though they're kids uh, and their brothers and sisters or cousins uh, doing this work together. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's so good. I love the popcorn, and it's um, you know, I had uh, a wonderful episode a while back, Doctor Bob Nelson, who has written. Um, I was about to say he's written 5 million books, but that would be uh, an impossible feat. He's <laughs> he sold 5 million books, um, and those books specialize in employee appreciation. And the thing I love about the episode with uh, with Bob was it's so simple. Like, it's really simple things, and that's what, what he sort of says. He's like, um, it, it's <laughs> so often he sees organizations where they're not getting it right, where they're trying really complicated complex and he's like actually we just need to just need to work out what people really appreciate and then and then do that and it sounds too simple but your popcorn story is such a great example you were looking so you noticed that people were bringing popcorn and you had the thought the creative thought well why don't we have some real proper popcorn in this office and you went and did it and i think there's a great um one of the things i love most about your story is how simple that is Oh, it, it, and it can be even simpler than that. When, when you know your staff has worked hard and we've just instituted something like we take every other Friday off. I, I know they work beyond five o'clock. And I see that because they know that I am and I ask for things from them sometimes. And you know, sometimes I'll surprise them during a holiday time and say, we're going to take the week off, not just the day. Let's be with your family and give you, I'm going to give you a bonus to take your family somewhere, uh, out to dinner, out to a movie, enjoy, you know, some tickets at the theater or your favorite sports. You know, we have football teams here in DC. We have baseball teams, basketball teams, and oftentimes they don't get to do that, but you have to have time to do that and then you have to have the resources to do that. So I think in giving them both of those and realizing, you know, I appreciate you mm. and it's always a surprise to them when I'm going to do it or what I'm going to do. 
Yeah, I like that. And I think that's something else Bob uh, mentioned is, and that's why surprise is so important because if you think about the rest of our relationships in life, you know, a great friendship, uh, your relationship with your partner, it's, <laughs> it's not the, uh, you know, we, we always, I always give you this or always say this at this exact time. It's the, it's the sort of the routine breaking moments in life where you see something and you buy it for them. And, and I think it's no different with your people. It's about looking for those opportunities and um, and I think it was Bob or it might have been someone else, but who said, you know, we so naturally go and focus on, say, Christmas. Let's buy a Christmas gift for this client, this employee. And, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. But one of the easiest things you can do is do something then, sure, but really focus on uh, two months before Christmas two months after Christmas, mm -hmm. like when, when there's no reason, no expectation, then dream up something creative that you're going to do for them. Because that says, you know what, like it's, it's, and so I think, I think what I'm hearing from you, and that's why you can give all these tips, but it's really a posture, isn't it? It's a posture of appreciation. And if you lead like that, I feel like that's a, you create this wonderful culture where people like you said, they bound into work and really love being part of a team where you foster that sort of culture. Oh, yes. We, we surprise them quite often. Uh, when we think about things like uh, in our uh, boardroom, we can partition it off and they don't know what we're doing in there. And one day they came in and we had made special cards for each one of them. We made centerpieces on the tables. Uh, everything was hand done. The meal that we ordered was all of their favorites. And, you know, we, we served the meal. We sat with them, you know, after serving this meal to them. And each one of us talked about our appreciation for their work, our appreciation for who they are, and our appreciation for their steadfastness of purpose. And those little things, you know, wasn't expensive. They go such a long way. Yeah, they do. And I think we underestimate, it's easy to see other tasks in leadership as very high value, high importance uh, or urgent because they, they may be, you know, it might be true. There might be something urgent about it, but these sort of, initiatives, that sort of time, because it does take time, it, you know, it is, and it does take thoughtfulness and intentionality. But as you said, it doesn't have to break the bank. It can be, if there are leaders listening who don't have massive budgets, you can be creative. And once again, um, it's, it's about the thoughtfulness and really seeking to answer the question, what, what really makes people feel appreciated? And like you said, sometimes it's just hearing some simple intentional words in front of your peers. Sometimes it's one-on-one. -on -one. I, I love handwritten letters because I think all of us, you know, it's something I'm trying to do more even with my clients, like just to give people ideas out there who are listening is, you know what, just have a pen, envelopes and paper near where you're working and make it part of your routine to stop and think, who, who do I want to encourage? Who you know, and if you want to get really strategic, who is there that's just been in terms of one of our values or our vision, 
has really just done something tiny recently or something big that's just been so such a representation of that thing and write doesn't have to be a thousand words can be a hundred words where you just say i just wanted to stop and say how impressed i was with the way you did that meeting you just when that mistake happened in the presentation you handled it with such humility and i could see the trust you built with that client you know that it doesn't need to be big flashy ideas simple things like handwritten letters or i love what you just shared is it goes such a long way for people to actually go home and say you know what i think they really care about me yes and i'm glad you brought up the handwritten letters i did not know the power of a handwritten letter you know i do them until i had <clears throat> two of my staff members one posted on linkedin a picture of the handwritten letter and another one talked about it as well like my boss just gave me this handwritten letter and i did it for every single staff member but i had no idea the power of you know it was just something that you do but it was incredibly important to them and so it's something do it yes. if you have an opportunity please do it my my favorite story peggy about handwritten letters is um i heard on a podcast a while back one of the former ceos of home depot so uh he was talking about i can't remember um his name off the top of my head but he was talking about you know three hundred thousand plus staff and one of the things he would do is every week he would write a whole bunch of handwritten letters. He made it part of his his uh, regional director's KPIs to basically uh, cascade. Uh, well, actually, the reverse of that. He he would sort of handpick them and get them sent up to him, stories of great customer service because their vision was about being the best customer service retailer in the world. So he was like any outstanding customer service in any store, anywhere, has to, it's a KPI. I have to have these stories. And then based on these stories, he'd write these handwritten letters. And, um, you know, it's, I, I heard how you went and you actually, um, you know, drove to help that, uh, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the, the lady who came in and, and was ordering this big thing and didn't have the, hadn't paid for delivery, but you went and actually just helped her get it home because, um, you wanted to make sure it was all working for her and just little things like that, where he would hear the story. Anyway, my, the reason I love this, this story is um, when he was on this podcast, he was saying same thing as you. He didn't realize the power. He knew this was important. That's why he was so invested in it. But uh, he was the thing that really drove it home for him is he had this story come back from one of his employees. He'd written this letter a while back. And the person said, I, I have to embarrassingly ask if you could rewrite my letter for me. Um, and the person went on to say, I'm so embarrassed, but you wrote me a letter a couple of months back. And, uh, you know, I was chatting with the other staff at our store and I said, sorry, guys, there's no way this is handwritten. This is, this is a, some really amazing, clever printer that makes it look handwritten, um, you know, corporate <laughs> being corporate. And they said, and they said, you know what, I'll show you. So they got a bowl of water. <laughs> they put the letter in and they said, watch, it won't run. And with all their teammates watching, the ink all starts to run off the page and it completely ruined the letter. And this person was devastated because they had actually proven that it was truly handwritten. 
and they were so embarrassed and they wrote and said, so I'm the fool. Like, I can't believe I did that. And I can't believe you hand wrote that. And I, I just would love to ask if you would consider rewriting it so I can keep it. And <laughs> I just love that story of like the, this, the skepticism, you know, <laughs> <Bryson>. <laughs> Um, and, uh, but yeah, he also told stories of people who would frame them. And, uh, and like I said, like not, not, you know, award-winning poems. This is just simple encouragements about what people had done. And because of the role and, and the title he had as their leader, it was really, um, really making, making, uh, making it happen. So incredible. Yeah, so that's um, <laughs> that's one of my favorite stories. I, so, what were you going to say, it. Peggy? Absolutely love it. <laughs> no, uh, I just you know I think about my, the other part of my brain works like why didn't he just put part of it <laughs> down <laughs> into the water? <laughs> yes, yes. Why didn't they put the entire thing? I'm sure he may have had that same thought. <laughs> oh, it's just so funny. <laughs> Um, so one of the things I love to ask as well, do you have any, are there any other sort of big aha moments for you, Peggy, in your career that, you know, sometimes we don't think about them until someone asks a question like this. So it may be something you haven't thought of in a while, but something that was a penny, the penny dropped sort of moment, you're part of something, you were, uh, you were the leader or you're watching another leader and something went really well, something went terribly but it's sort of burnt in your memory for some reason as a bit of an aha moment about leadership. So one of the things that I, I think about, and, you know, a lot of times we have to negotiate contracts. Uh, we work with foundations and most people come in to a meeting and they have prepared, they've got prepared speech. They've done, I can't do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is not me. <laughs> Yeah. And always speak from the heart and speak the truth and be vulnerable in a sense that, you know, everyone already knows you don't know everything, but what they can feel is the passion that you have for the work that you do and the work you want to do that is a priority of the organization and a priority maybe of that funder or a priority of um, the corporation or whoever you're working with. And, and to just be yourself. I think that's appreciated more than people know, you know, that you're not there to impress just to get someone to do something. You are there to really talk about the, the, the work, the, the passion, the people behind it, and the impact that it will have. And you don't have to, you know, talk about it in a way that makes you feel superior or it is condescending to anyone. You speak about it. And what I learned from children is they want to see who you are, why you care, and mm, yeah. what you can do. And mm. so I think those moments 
and and I can feel those moments that I've been in rooms with individuals, it just brings the tension down in the room. It brings that level of, oh my God, I should be competing for something out of the room. And to say, you know, we know what we want to do. We know that we have a shared passion. And how do we get there? And at some point, I'm going to be laughing before <laughs> the whole thing is over. <laughs> uh, it's just what I do. Yeah, I think that's... Um, and so you, when you do that, you're really focusing on just speaking from the heart and creating a culture and even an atmosphere in that room that's really um, authentic, I guess. Yeah, I, my, um, I remember talking to a number of individuals, but I was talking to a group of parents once, and this was in, you know, a situation that had nothing to do with school or, you know, their child or work, but just telling them a story. And all of a sudden in this moment, I could see this, you know, small group of adults to me, looking like children who were hanging on your every word. And so, you know, I, I finished the story and one of the parents, this mother said to me, she goes, you've missed your calling. You should definitely be a storyteller because I'm, I'm hanging on every word. I'm feeling what you're feeling. And I can imagine all of this in my mind and it made me be there in the moment and i had no idea i'm just telling what happened and how i felt about it and you know what i thought but it just i could see for the first time that it had captured the room so i try you know and do that with my staff Mm. all the time and I listen in the same way to them yeah that's so good I, I I'm a big um, believer in storytelling as a a really um, it's a it's an amazing skill to have as a leader and it's something anyone can get better at it's something we can really um, develop and the reason that's so important is if we can as someone once said I remember um, chatting to having the chance to sit down over dinner with a, uh, a person who, who does public speaking uh, full-time and he speaks to more than a million teenagers a year uh, which is pretty incredible and uh, and I ended up just sort of through circumstances at the dinner table with him before before an event and I thought okay Johnny you cannot pass this up like I I've done a few presentations here's a guy who does a million uh, speaks in front of a million people a year and has done so for decades. So I, I turned to him and I said, I can't help but asking if I'm going to have dinner with you, like happy to socialize in a second, but can <laughs> I just ask one question? He's like, yeah. I said, what's your biggest tip for public speaking? Like you, you must have just learned so much over the years. Like what's your number one key for presenting, particularly to a challenging audience, you know, teenagers? And he said, stories. And the reason is because when you tell mm -hmm. a story, people can step 
into the shoes. They can step into the shoes of the characters in the story. And so whatever you want to communicate, if you can find a way to communicate that in a story, then people will actually, unlike anything else, be able to step into the shoes of the characters in that story and, and try it on for themselves. And that's that was his big key for engaging um, engaging an audience, engaging millions of people. And I think it's the same key for engaging your staff and engaging clients. And the, if we can be great storytellers, and like you said, I love what you said as well, though, it's actually about having that same intensity and intentionality with how you listen to your people. That helps with communication so much. It's how the brain works. It, it remembers stories. Yeah, I find this fascinating. I can't remember where I've seen it, but there's, it seems like there's a lot of research being done um, about the brain, the neuroscience of stories. Um, and I can't remember where I've seen it, but I remember just stumbling across it and going, well, of course, this makes perfect sense. This is really how, uh, this is really how cultures have developed over centuries. They told stories. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, it shouldn't be any wonder that that's how our brains are wired. But for me, it was an aha moment to realize, oh, okay, so stories aren't just cool. They're, there's literally something about our, how our brains are wired that works particularly powerfully with stories. So I do have a quick one for you. Yeah. Um, when I was teaching in, in our engineering school, we would write curriculum and we would write thematic learning activities. And these were stories and in the story was the problem. <laughs> and their mission in their team was to solve this problem in any way, you know, they could. There wasn't one method or one way to solve it. They just needed to solve it. And I remember um, the, the one story that I made up. It, it was around building robots and these robots had to traverse a certain area. That means that, you know, they, there was elevation, there were blocks and, you know, you had to write code to navigate them through the entire thing. And there were pitfalls in the way and how you got through that. And I remember at the very end of each one of them, you know, we do a reflection. We ask our students, um, what did you think about this? How, what did you learn? Was this worthwhile? The entire, and I will never forget this young woman. She, in her reflection, she said, this was the hardest thing I have ever done in my life, but I did it. And now, I think there is nothing I can't do. Mm. And for me and for any teacher, that is the ultimate to have a child realize their potential and to have that sense of self that fear is, is not an obstacle anymore. Wow. Yeah, what a wonderful story. That's that's the power of education. Um, just uh, just wonderful. Well, uh, I want to finish by asking you a couple of questions in what I call the Leadership Express. So just some really quick questions. Are you ready? 
Yes. Okay. The first one is what is a book? It doesn't have to be leadership, but it could be leadership or, or, or any other book that you've gifted to other people. <clears throat> the one book I think I've gifted to other people because it was so touching to me was uh, Amazing Grace uh, by Jonathan Kozel. Uh, this is a book that talks about the plight of children in the Bronx in New York and the unfair educational system. It's one of the few books that made me tear up as I was reading and, and to cry out loud um, wow. about why is the system so unfair? Why our economic setup in this way that from birth almost of geographical you know regions and zip codes you don't have the same opportunities and access to those opportunities that others have and that made me always focus on no matter how hard this work got i remember that book I remember those children in that garage. I remember, you know, what he found, what he said, and, and the power of, of relationships and how it could change situations. And so, you know, I, if someone wants to say, you know, what book do, would I gift? I would gift that book. That is a wonderful answer. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us. Great recommendation. Uh, what is a recent leadership lesson you've learned for the first time or been reminded of? I think for, I, I think about uh, Brene Brown and her newest book, Atlas of the Heart, and thinking about self-awareness and how, you know, sometimes we think we know things and we really don't about ourselves. And to yeah. be, you know, before you can be self-actualized, you have to be self-aware. And to always think about intentionally being aware of what I'm thinking, why I'm thinking, how I'm communicating, and because she, she had this quote and she said, self-awareness, self-love matter. Um, who we are is who we lead. And I, I just, mm. that sticks with me. Yeah. Wow. That's so good. Uh, I love Brene Brown's work. It's, uh, it's incredible. Uh, what's a great piece of advice you've received? It could be once again about leadership or it could just be about life at, at some point. Um, came from my grandmother and she always told me fear was false evidence appearing real. <laughs> so there was no reason to fear anything. <laughs> because it wasn't true what I was thinking. Oh, that's wonderful. I love that. False evidence appearing real and even more special because of where it came from. That's just, that's just beautiful. Yes. Um, <laughs> thank you for sharing that. 
what uh what about do you have any favorite questions you ask you're you're in a classroom you're in a board meeting you're with stakeholders or in a one-on-one with one of your people do you have any favorite questions you love to ask so one of the questions i would love to ask is people always think that you know economics is is the the stops every dream that they have and so i ask if you had a billion dollars today, you were gifted a billion dollars, how would it change the passion that you have for the mission that you're on? Mm. Yes. So good. Uh, Last question. If you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader, what would you say, Peggy? Get a mentor <laughs> and, and, and get a mentor who's not afraid to give you really good feedback. Um, I think sometimes often people think I, you know, I don't want to hurt someone's feelings. I don't want to say something that might throw them off kilter, but there's a way to do that, because if you're not doing that, and that feedback is not timely, it's not specific, you are holding them back. Because you have that information, you see that. And if you are not delivering that, that that is not mentoring, that is not a gift to that person. Yeah, that's great, Peggy. Um, let me, I want to ask you one more question, actually, just while I've got you, because this has been so good. Um, what, what's a commonly held belief about education that you passionately disagree with? That anyone can teach. I, I think the complexity of this job is beyond belief. And I think people tend to say, well, you know, I sat in a seat for 12 years. It can't be that hard. You know, they take role, they talk some, they give you some homework and you leave. They have no idea. Or my neighbor's really nice. They should be a teacher or they can teach. Spend two hours in, in the shoes of a teacher and it will change your mind. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing I love is, you know, working with a lot of educators, um, I think spend two hours in a classroom with a great teacher and a great educator and your yes. jaw will drop at the, at the <laughs> incredible skill set that, that great teachers have. And what a gift um, and one of my biggest passions, and I don't have any solutions yet, but I, I, I'm so passionate about being part of the solution and, and championing it wherever I can see it is to find ways in our society to um, support, invest in, uh, and encourage great teachers and for people to understand the significance of education, which I don't think I have fully understood until starting to work closely and, and, and chat with more 
people who's really, they've really committed their lives to education and it's helped me understand just how important it is. Um, so that's, that's something I'm really passionate about. So I, I appreciate your work, Peggy. It's incredible what you do. Well, I appreciate that. And I'll add to that quote and say, spend two hours with an accomplished national board certified teacher yeah. and you will truly be amazed. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's so good. Um, for people who've just really enjoyed today and would like to find you online and uh, maybe follow your thoughts on any of the different platforms, find out more about the, uh, about the organization as well. Where can people find you online, Peggy? We can, um, if you go to Google the National Board for Professional Teaching Standards or nbpts.org, uh, you can find out everything about our organization. Uh, you can find me on Twitter um, at pbrookins44 uh, and just follow our work follow what we do. And we're about to do some incredible work uh, around the country. So can't wait. So good. Thank you. Well, I, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. This has been a delightful episode. I feel like I've learned so much and uh, talking about stories, just some really wonderful stories that are still going around in my brain and um, have really encouraged me uh, for our listeners, don't forget, I also have the John O'White Leadership Podcast and the Leadership Question of the Day Podcast, which you can check out to invest in your leadership. But I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to you, Peggy, for being so generous with your time, uh, for sharing so vulnerably, and for just all of your wisdom. That that was a wonderful hour of my time, um, which I just thoroughly enjoyed and learned from. So I'm confident there'll be people listening who'll be pressing rewind to listen again to some of the stories and things you shared because it was that, uh, that rich in value. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. And I learned so much from you as well. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. 
We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders. And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this. I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, Jono White or Clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.